0: Hey everybody and welcome to episode 90 of How I Built It. In today's episode, I get to talk to Jeremiah Smith, founder of Simple Tiger. This episode is going to kick off a mini-series about SEO and I'm happy that Jeremiah is starting things off. He offers so much incredible advice about SEO and life in general. I love his story and I think you will too. We'll get into all of that and more, but first... Today's episode is brought to you by Pantheon, Traitwear, and View. You'll hear about Pantheon and Traitwear a little bit later, so now let's talk about View. You may have heard of Gravity Forms. It's hands down the best form plugin for WordPress websites. It's amazing for collecting useful data. But what if you want to display those form submissions on your site? What if you want to give users the ability to edit and update their submissions? That's where the Gravity View plugin comes in. Gravity View lets you easily display and edit your data in a searchable directory with different layouts. It's fully customizable by you or your clients using the drag-and-drop UI and it features tons of developer hooks. Don't waste hours developing custom code for your clients. You will have to support that code forever. Save yourself time and save your clients money by choosing GravityView for your next project. Visit gravityview.co/how-i-built-it to learn more and enter how-i-built-it at checkout for 15% off your purchase. GravityView comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so try it today. That's gravityview.co/how-i-built-it. And now on with the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, my guest is Jeremiah Smith of Simple Tiger. Jeremiah, how are you today?
1: I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. When you guys reached out or your company reached out, there were a few suggested topics, and I think we're just going to talk about how you created uh, Simple Tiger today. Is that right? Yes, sir. Cool. So why don't we start off with who you are and and what you do and how you came up with the idea?
1: Sure. Yeah. So my name is Jeremiah. I, uh, let's see, I've been in the SEO industry now for about 12 years and I pretty much discovered simple tiger. It it was a marketing agency where I used to offer a whole bunch of different services from building websites to designing logos to actually even like printing business cards. I mean, I did everything. I thought I could do everything at least. (laughs) And I, I stumbled across search engine optimization through building a website for a client. And after building their website, showing it to them, they're like, this is awesome. And then like a day later, they were like, okay, can we get it in Google? And I just thought <laughs> that it was like, you know, filling out a web form and submitting it to Google and then you're done, you know, but, uh, didn't even realize there's a whole industry underneath that has so much to do with getting your site to show up well in Google. And so when I discovered that I was immediately like, Oh, this is intriguing. I, I want to do this for this client, but I can't, you know, I can't really sell this yet, but they agreed to have me do it as a full-time job for them. So long as it worked that was their thing. They were just focused on results. And so I had this immediate desire to start learning SEO by doing it. But my goal was obviously to yield results for this client. So that's when I I dove in and it really actually worked extremely well. Their company grew massively in a matter of like six months. And I was ecstatic. I couldn't believe what I had just learned. And if I knew that if I'd just done all of this by learning it, imagine <laughs> if I knew how to do it and was able to do it for clients. So I parlayed that into a career in SEO, went to work for some big ad agencies and really learned how the big boys do what, uh, what I do now that kind of started this side business of simple tiger being focused on seo and consulting and just kind of got rid of all the other junk i used to do Build, building websites designing logos printing business cards all that had to go you know i wanted to focus on seo so that is where simple tiger was born in those days though it was a consulting company where i didn't have the personnel to to mm-hmm. do campaigns for all these huge clients so i just spent my time consulting them that was pretty much how it started
0: Cool. Very cool. So, uh, I mean, learning by doing is something that I preach all the time. And I've I've said to people, kind of to make them feel better, but, you know, you don't, you never learn something as well as if you, like, break a client's site and then have to fix it. Like, I've mm-hmm. I have always learned the best that way, or at least the fastest. So what was it like kind of learning by doing as far as SEO goes? Because you don't necessarily see results right away, right? Like if I write a line of code and it breaks, I see immediately that it breaks. But with SEO, it's a little bit of a longer game, right?
1: Yeah, it it is. And that was a bit of a challenge. Now, what's awesome is when I was learning SEO 2006 through 2007, that was the very beginning for me. So when I was learning those days, SEO was so much easier than it is today. The tools at your disposal were really good. The stuff that Google gave you access to in regards to keyword data and things like that were fantastic in those days you could you could change a title tag on the website and immediately start ranking better you know well that's totally different nowadays it's much harder to rank in google nowadays and so i actually was was blessed to have that because it was uh, a good teacher. It allowed me to quickly learn things in those days. But you're right. No, SEO does take a little while to, to take effect. And sometimes that can be a challenge, especially when you're trying to learn something. So the hard part for me in those days was probably knowing exactly what to do. I didn't have the experience to filter out what I was reading from what might work, you know, what might not. And so nowadays I have that experience and I can quickly tell what I need to do. But yeah, that was probably the hardest part in those early days.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. And that's that's really interesting. That makes a lot of sense. It was probably easier back then because uh, I know like when I made my first website, I would get links or I would get emails all the time like, hey, I'll trade you a link for link. And that was that was like the SEO strategy in like 2003. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but I mean, you know, 2006, 2007 is is when Twitter started and then a few years later started to get big and and you know the the Google algorithm especially changes about quarterly right so when you i mean and because it changes so quickly you know what kind of research do you do to kind of stay on top of SEO i know that there are some big names out there matt cuts used to be a big name and i think danny mm-hmm. sullivan i right. don't know if he's still doing that but uh
1: yeah yeah, he's cool. still around, and I, I definitely recommend people follow Danny Sullivan. He actually left Search Engine Land and joined Google, which is really cool. So now we've got a somebody who is really involved in the SEO community for a very long time on the inside at Google, which is awesome. I love that. Of course, he's limited with what he can talk about, mm-hmm. but he he does throw us a bone every now and then. <laughs> nice. So I will say, uh, you know, following him is a great idea. But if you really understand what Google's why is, why they exist, and you understand their ethos, if you've built a relationship with Google over time, like I have, then you can, to a large degree, predict what they're going to do. You don't really need to, to, to follow all the news and hype so much. And that's one of the biggest filters for me is I look at the commercial interest that Google has and everything. They're going to take a step in because Google's not going to try to quit making money, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they're, they're going to try to make more. And so we have to keep that in mind as they move and as they operate. And to a large degree, what I've learned, and this is kind of like the the big secret that's not really a secret in the SEO community, but I want everyone to know about this because I think it's really important. Be authentic with everything that you create, and if you're if you're always doing that, you're doing it creatively, and you are doing it prolifically, in that you're creating large pieces of content and several of them, and you're you're consistent with that. You're going to have a fantastic future in in search, and so far as Google's concerned, because their algorithmic updates are looking for your kind of stuff to promote and other kind of stuff to disappear. They want a better index. They want better content to wrap their advertising around. They make more money off of that. So keep that kind of thing in mind as you build things. And then that will help you kind of predict what Google's going to do next.
0: Wow, that's fantastic, right? It's almost like, you know, if you want to run a TV ad, you're going to want to run it either like during the Super Bowl or a really popular show and not just like any old thing that some smaller network is putting out, right? Today's episode is brought to you by Pantheon. WordPress 5.0 and the new editor, Gutenberg, are coming. Are you prepared? Do you want to learn about the changes in advance? Pantheon has gathered resources to help you prepare, including webinars and tutorials. Pantheon also has made it easy and free to try Gutenberg with your site before the official launch. Visit pantheon.io Gutenberg. Let them know that How I Built It sent you. And now, back to the show.
1: Yeah, pretty much. It's it's being creative about what you're doing, but at the same time understanding that you've got to provide value at some level. You know, I mean, I think, it, and and being creative is interesting because the, of course, you bring up a great point. Uh, Super Bowl ads are like your most creative ads mm-hmm. all year, and they're so exciting to watch. I love it. That's yeah. my <laughs> that's my favorite part of the Super Bowl. Actually, it's awful, but <laughs> but I remember uh, I think it was uh, not this past Super Bowl, but the one before that. Miller bought a one second spot because a Super Bowl ad costs a hundred thousand dollars per second, and so so they bought a one second spot, and it was just a guy. For, for the Miller factory wearing a Miller shirt standing in, in the factory with all the beer behind him. And he just goes, high life. <laughs> and that was it. it was a one second thing, and it was it went viral. It was yeah. so huge, and that was the cheapest Super Bowl commercial of all time. And, and you know, proportionally speaking, right. so that, that's that's that gorilla uh, technique of being very creative and capturing your audience who are, who are very occupied. You know, and uh, I thought that was cool. I really dig that. But uh, when it comes to SEO, here's a here's a common misconception, and this is another thing that I I try to teach and kind of promulgate through this throughout the web. But a lot of people compare SEO to advertising, and that's the worst mistake you can make because it's so different. If I were to really explain what SEO is to you, insofar as what we do in Google, it would be reverse engineering another company's intellectual property, Google, in order to leverage it to your business's benefit. You know, yeah. so it, it's really strange. It's not advertising,
0: <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. I mean, you can throw money at advertising reasonably, and and eventually do well. Right. Like if you have like Mm -hmm. an unlimited amount of of money for Google or Facebook ads, Mm -hmm. eventually you'll start to convert. But SEO, you need to actually understand the problem that you're trying to solve. Right. I mean, optimization is in the acronym. So.
1: Right. Absolutely. And the funny thing for us has actually been, I would say the hardest challenge for me growing this business over time has been pricing things appropriately. Mm -hmm. And the reason being, Our inputs are pretty much the same almost no matter what client we work with because there are certain things that have to happen every single time content has to happen links have to happen things like that of course there are more difficult industries than others and stuff like that but we've kind of niched down over time and we figured out our target market because of that everything looks the same almost every campaign we get into there there are the nuances and the differences there but so because of that i can build a pricing model that works for what we do but what's crazy is what comes out the other end for the client is vastly different in regards Mm -hmm. to scale and in their industry so with advertising that's not quite the case. Advertising's, you know, got a flat fee for a pretty much flat return. Whereas with SEO, you can scale dramatically. Of course, it might be expensive in the beginning when you're spending 5000 bucks a month and you're not getting a lot of results out of it. But a year from now, you might have so much business coming from search that we've actually had some clients tell us we have to stop working with you for a little while <laughs> because we've got to re-engineer parts of our company to handle the business we're getting. Wow. And so that yeah, that that just shows you what kind of power is in SEO.
0: Wow! Yeah, and again, it it kind of lays credibility to the fact that it's it's a long game, right? It's it's. I think a lot of people in general believe that the internet could be a get rich quick scheme, right? Like I'll do some, I'll set up a site, I'll start a Kickstarter, I'll start making money, I'll just SEO my site, and I'll start making money. But it's it's. It's a game of patience, right? And I fell into that trap too when I started my online courses. I'm like, I'll release a course and people will buy it because people want to learn this. Yeah, right. No, not at all. (laughs) Like, (laughs) why would somebody buy a product from me if they don't know me? So that's, man, that's really interesting. So I also like to kind of ask, like, you know, if you're in a mastermind, if you you have, uh, if you get business advice from folks, and I I do want to hear the answer to that question, but I'm also interested in, in... kind of a the discovery process for a client, right? Because you come up with a pricing package, but you said the results could be so different. What kind of stuff do you look for? Do your clients know what they're looking for when they first come in, or do they just say, I wanna be number one in Google? Like, What's mm-hmm. it like?
1: Good question. I love that question, actually, and I can go deep on that. So it took us a long time to develop the new process that we have for client intake, but this new process is fantastic. So um, we do something in the very beginning that I recommend Pretty much any company that's offering a service, even down to just building a website, highly recommend you do. And it's it's basically like just an intro phase to a project. We call it an opportunity assessment. So with SEO, we're going to assess your opportunity in regards to search. A lot of SEO companies out there do something similar, but they don't do anything quite like we do. And there are a few agencies that do. And And what I see them do, it works so well. So we jumped on board with this. This opportunity assessment allows us to check all the different areas that are going to impact them from an SEO perspective and see how they stack up where their strengths and their weaknesses are. Because what I don't want to do is is try to take some cookie-cutter approach to every client and say you always need technical optimization, you always need new content, you always need links. While that may be true that they will always need some amount of those, those proportions may vary dramatically. You know, we'll deal with some client websites where from a technical perspective, you know, the things built on WordPress. They get all the right plugins. It loads really fast. It's very clean and smooth, good user interface. They don't really need any technical optimization. Let's not sell them that. You know, let's yeah. let's say, hey, a lot of companies do need technical optimization, but you guys check off that box. So we're not going to invoice you for that. Moving on into content, you might need a little bit of content. But where you guys really need help is in your links area. So we're going to do a proposal that's heavy on the link side of things. This medium on content and doesn't include technical, but that's kind of our, te- our, our full suite. The opportunity assessment allows us to see all that ahead of time. Now, what's different for us. And we have strong business reasons for doing this. We charge for the opportunity assessment, whereas a lot of companies do it for free. We used to do those for free. But what I found, and this is a nugget that I'm, I'm giving your listeners here. What I found is you'll get a ton of tire kickers coming through and people that want to get this assessment for free. And our assessment carries some value in it. Like when we do that technical chunk, we list the top 10 things that could go wrong from a technical perspective and whether or not they're they're wrong on the client site. And then we dive Mm -hmm. into some content strategy and we dive into some offsite strategy. So we're actually providing value in this. Right. So first of all, we charge for that. But second of all, it limits the amount of people who are trying to get this free opportunity assessment down to the ones who are serious about they're ready to invest in SEO. And what's crazy is we charge something like uh, we charge 200 bucks for our opportunity assessment, which is super duper cheap compared to the, you know, $10,000 phase one project that we're going to do next but what that does is that warms them up with a, a buying relationship with us. Right. And then when it comes to the proposal, they're so much more ready to continue working with us. Cause we already feel like we're engaged in a business relationship. So it, it works really well for that.
0: Very cool. I, I love that. I, because you're you're right. I mean, you do get a lot of tire kickers. It's like the people who say, like, you know, design me something, and if I like it, I'll pay for it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Give me a meal, and if I like it, I'll I'll pay for the meal.
1: Right. You got all the time in the world, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: And and two hundred bucks, to be honest, is like not a very high barrier, but it it definitely weeds people out. My friend Erin Flynn recently changed her her membership model. She used to have like this free membership area that she decided that she was going to charge $12 a year for. And what that did was weed out the trolls, the people who were just there not providing value, being jerks to the community. And she immediately saw a kind of an increase in the community because $12 a year is not a lot of money. If people answer one question that you post, you have that value. But the people who don't want to spend any money and get all the free advice are the ones bringing the community down. So, you know, it's the, yeah. So, when I was at CrowdFavorite, we did the same thing with uh, we charged for discovery phase because we put real resources into it. We didn't just like look at the website and go, I think you need this. Are you as frustrated with usernames and passwords as I am? Traitware believes you are, and they created Traitware Secure Login as the solution for all of us. Traitware enables you, your staff, and your customers and members a secure way to sign in that replaces usernames and passwords. With a simple mobile app or PC login, you can provide a better experience, increase security, and reduce the risk of lost or stolen passwords. Traitware is the secure login you have been looking for. Check out a quick video on how to sign in with Traitware and register for a exclusive How I Built It coupon at secureloginapp.com WordPress. That's secureloginapp.com WordPress. Say goodbye to usernames and passwords. Say goodbye to phishing, man-in-the-middle, or brute force attacks. Never again create, forget, share, or lose a password for your WordPress website. And now, back to the show.
1: Yeah, so. right. We noticed a couple of immediate things that happened after doing that. The first thing that happened was, first of all, my sales rep spent probably about a third of the amount of time doing opportunity assessments. Because right. now we do have a ton of people signing up for these free assessments. The second thing was our close rate from opportunity assessments increased dramatically from like probably to like 70 to 80%. And I was like, heck yeah, there we go. Now we're really getting somewhere. And then the third thing was what you just said, the quality of clientele that we started getting was fantastic. And the retention rates were so much better because we put them through a strict vetting process before we ever began a serious relationship with them. Figuring out all that stuff in the beginning, because SEO is uh, quite frankly, I hate to say it is very complex. There's a lot to a good search engine optimization campaign. I'm not saying smoke and mirrors. I'm just saying there are a lot of things to it that right. need to be figured out ahead of time. And doing that allows us to figure out a lot of that and set up just the right campaign for them to where when we pitch that campaign and we walk them through the parts that we're recommending, it all just makes sense. And then they understand, they know, they learn something in the process and they're ready to buy. So.
0: And yeah, that's uh, again, that's fantastic. I, I think I keep saying the same thing over and over again, but you're making <laughs> a lot of really good points. <laughs> Oh good. <laughs> I did I just I thought of a random question that you probably get a lot. This is uh maybe like not usually what I ask, but it is very complex. We talk a lot about Google. Google's always the one that you're you're optimizing for. Do you optimize for other search engines or is it basically I've optimized for Google so I'm pretty much optimized for everything else?
1: Great question. I love this. So side note here, I'm actually teaching at the University of South Florida. I'm teaching SEO to senior level marketing students. And I, I taught a class last night. It's a nice three hour class, gave them a deep dive on search engine optimization. And in that class, I kind of got the same question. And I said, uh, you know, when I'm teaching this stuff and when I'm working with clients, 99% of the time it's Google right? They are the 600 pound gorilla and they, they, in regards to general commercial web search purposes. But when we really take a step back, search engine optimization is agnostic from a platform perspective. It will work in Amazon. It will work in the Apple iTunes store. Like if you've got a podcast or you got a, a, an app or a song, that kind of stuff, it will actually take effect there. Uh, heck even in eBay, uh, SEO works. Yeah. So yeah, it's amazing. I've seen I've seen eBay stores do really well by having a good SEO strategy for the eBay platform. Now, everything that applies to Google in regards to how you optimize for Google does not necessarily apply to Amazon or eBay, of course, because in Amazon, we're not talking about websites anymore. We're talking about listings or product mm-hmm. listings that you've created and stuff like that. So it's different rules to the game, but the same concept still exists there. But to answer your question, yeah, what we do is, is primarily for Google.
0: Gotcha cool sweet so I mean we are we' more than halfway through I can't believe how fast this interview is going <laughs> and I haven't gotten to the title question yet so uh, let's do that we'll talk about simple tiger right we've talked a bit about strategy and things like that but how did you build simple tiger
1: oh man yeah so that's a fun story I mentioned at the beginning there how I did SEO for the one client and then Decided that was that was it for me. I wanted to do that full time. Cut out everything else and focused in on SEO. Put that on my resume. Knew that at the time I couldn't just build an agency out of nothing. I didn't have anything. I didn't know how to build an agency. I didn't know how to run an agency. I did not even know how to work at an agency. So I thought, you know, I need to go work in an agency and really see if this is it for me. You know, so I I got a job at a huge agency in Atlanta called three sixty I and I love those guys to this day. They're fantastic. They're huge movers and shakers in the enterprise SEO space. And so all of my clients there were Fortune five hundred companies, every single one of them. They were just massive. And I got to see how SEO works on that grand scale. And I quickly learned that everything is exactly the same for them as it was for that little tiny mom and pop shop that I got my start with. It's just scaled up, you know, if they if it's Content that needs to be created, they create more content. If it's links that need to be built, they build more links. But the same rules still apply, the same techniques still happen. So I got to learn that and then do that for a lot of huge clients. And while doing that, I built my consulting practice on nights and weekends, just consulting smaller businesses that would never fit 360i's budget, that, that kind of thing. <laughs> and so over time, I just kind of built a bit of a notoriety in the community for that. And then, yeah, eventually I, I decided to kind of venture off on my own. This was right around 2008-2009 when the economy got really tough. Advertising was mm-hmm. the first to go. So there was all kinds of shuffling around. I got let go from 360 I, cause we had a lot ah. of SEO, had a lot of SEO people there and everything. And I was so kind of at the moment, just checked out and checked into my entrepreneurial idea of building mm-hmm. my own thing that it was really a good boost for me. It was kind of, and, and I'm sure they could probably sense that too, that I was, yeah. I was ready to go do something of my own, but I mean, they're, they're a really sharp company. They, they move their, they move their people up really well and have a, have a strong tight knit team. Anyway, so left there to go work for another smaller agency because I still didn't feel quite ready mm-hmm. and that smaller agency I brought them an SEO department basically by by building something they didn't have there and getting a bunch of clients on board and that really was where I learned how to take nothing and build an agency out of it but for someone else so i had the security blanket of uh of a daily income right yeah yeah and then i i finally hit that that kind of final straw of i'm i'm totally done working for somebody else i want to build my own thing i really want to take simple tiger and and turn it into an agency and so i left uh that last agency there went off on my own and that was that was a little bit terrifying for a moment, but there was actually a deeper, longer-term feeling of, uh, of fear that stuck with me for quite a while, that it was all on me. And so I dove straight into consulting and just picking up consulting clients left and right. In those days, I didn't have a process put together or anything. I was taking anything I could get in terms of SEO uh, consulting work. And I had some awesome projects. I had some terrible projects. Uh, Yeah, but after a little while, I realized, you know, I made really good money doing it, but I was working myself to death. I realized I'm going to have to build a team. I need people who can help me actually produce results and do the SEO stuff so I can go out and sell it. And so I brought my brother on full time. He was interested in SEO at the time, and I taught him a little bit about it. He went to work for another agency for a while, just like I did. That was kind of my my rite of passage for him. Mm-hmm. I was like, you, you know, you've got to go through this. It'll be good for you. You'll learn it. And then I'll be able to afford to pay you to work you know, here. <laughs> And, uh, it, cause then you could pull some weight, right? Right. And that's exactly what happened. He came in all beefed up, ready to go. He, he knew how to do it. And so we, we joined forces and took simple tiger from a consultancy to an agency and started hiring employees and actually building a team. And that's how we got from there to where we are today. Now our evolution as a company since we started hiring a team has been really fun and exciting, way easier and sometimes a little painful, but. Way easier than just being the consultant doing my own thing by myself. I love having a team. So,
0: wow, that's there are two things I want to parse out here. Right at the beginning of this story, you gave an incredible piece of advice that I want to make sure lands with the listeners. And that's when you said, I needed to go work at an agency, I needed to get experience in the industry, which is Very clairvoyant for a young entrepreneurial person, because I was in that very same situation. I got a piece of advice from a family friend who said, when you get out of college, you need to get a job at a company and learn how they do things, and then you'll be ready to go out on your own. And I, being the stubborn New York Italian male that I am, thought, (laughs) I know everything. (laughs) <laughs> I've been doing this since I was fourteen. What yes. more could I possibly learn at twenty one? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I went on it was like a super low risk because I was living at home. I, I was in or I was in grad school for a time, you know, it's and it wasn't until I actually got my first real job mm-hmm. that I actually learned, man, I should have listened to that family friend mm-hmm. right off the bat. I put myself back maybe two years or three years. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, for people who are coming out of college that have the entrepreneurial spirit, you hear about like the Snapchat and the Facebook who get the billion dollar IPOs and their college dropouts or whatever. But mm-hmm. for, for most of us, get that experience and make those connections.
1: Absolutely.
0: And that's the other question I wanted to ask you is you, you went to a smaller agency after 360i mm-hmm. and built out their SEO department. Did you bring your clients with you or did you kind of start from scratch there?
1: Started from scratch there. It, there, there's a huge thing in the agency space, and I, 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 didn't have any real strict non-competes or anything like that in those days. But there was definitely a, a respectful line where it was just you don't, you know, you don't do that. And I didn't want to hurt my name at all. I really wanted to keep my relate my relationships with everyone at 360. I were fantastic. It was purely a logistical. Reason yeah. that I got let go during that that whole downturn, and so uh, I wanted to keep those relationships really healthy because later on they ended up sending me business. Because believe it or not, three hundred and sixty is minimum budgets are massive, and so <laughs> uh, sometimes they'd have some really cool companies come through and they'd refer them over to me, and I would I was able to build my agency based on my past agency relationships. So that was awesome. But yeah, I think that's that's one big part of it. What you just said, though, about getting a job in the industry and all that, that is so huge because that one year that I did that, I mean, it was just one year that I worked at 360. It wasn't a really long time, but I learned so much in that one year. I learned several things that I needed to do for my SEO agency, and then I learned a few things that I would probably never do. For my agency mm-hmm. by working there, and it's nothing against 360i. It was just learning my style and figuring out what I wanted to do and what I wanted to build versus what there already was out there. And you know, I decided I wanted to build a boutique agency that grows very small, uh, you know, very slowly, very steadily, very small amount of people that yield massive results. Whereas 360i was not lean; they they had they were huge. We had a ton of people, but we also offered a lot of services outside of SEO. Mm-hmm. And I really just wanted to focus on search engine optimization. And also just wanted one niche category of clientele because I learned that that's a fantastic way to make money. And I've only practiced that over the past year or so, and it's really paying off. I recommend people out there pick a niche also. I, I saw you had a previous podcast of niching down, and I think that's so powerful. Not enough people do that. But uh, that was something I couldn't do at 360i. We had so many huge clients and so many diverse industries. It just didn't make sense. So I learned all kinds of stuff through that experience and that relationship. And I also learned how to just deal with massive companies and how at the end of the day, they're all the same. The numbers might be a little bit different, but don't let that kind of stuff sway you continue doing your job based on what you know you need to do. And you can move the needle for a company as big as NBC or E-Trade. You don't really have to get bent out of shape over the fact that they're huge or anything like that. Don't let that scare you.
0: Wow, great, great advice. Uh, and I will link to the uh, Sarah Dunn episode of Niching Down. Uh, I think that is more excellent advice, especially, uh, you know, in software engineering, we we call that domain knowledge, right? We want to have domain knowledge of the software system we're building so that we can build a better system. We understand the users and uh, our users' users. So You know, understanding the industry and having that domain knowledge allows you to offer a better service because you come in knowing a little bit about or maybe a lot about what your clients need right off the bat. And you can ask those questions that a generalist might not know to ask.
1: Right. Yeah. And that'll definitely help you close that business. Well, but that'll also help you market your business. Well, so if we're talking about search engine optimization again, you know, and it's, it's for your company and you've chosen a niche. If you're selling, let's say, for example, you're a software as a service company and you're building a piece of software that's maybe a piece of like invoicing software, but uh, your invoicing software just so happens to work best for maybe other software companies and that's the niche that you've decided to go after now let's just imagine for a second that you didn't decide to go after that niche the kind of keywords that you would write would be things like invoicing software and you get to compete with the intuits of the world with quickbooks mm-hmm. and things like that and freshbooks and zero and all those big names yeah. but if you are invoicing software for software companies so the game changes a little bit your keyword targeting is going to be you know Software based or you know uh, software focused invoicing software or invoicing software for SaaS or something along those lines. And now your keyword pool is a lot smaller, your target audience is a lot smaller, but they are much more likely to do business with you because of that level of targeting and because of that domain knowledge, like you're talking about that you have. I just and, and I don't want to go too deep into that. I know you have a separate episode all about niching down, but I would just like to also throw my uh, my two cents in that yes, it is very val- valuable and it works really well. Highly recommend. Fantastic.
0: So we've, we've, I mean, you told your story and it was a lot of transformations. So, uh, and we're totally coming up on time here. So I do want to ask you what your plans for the future are, you know, is it keep an eye on the pulse of SEO? Is AMP really going to affect the way you do things? Like, what are your plans for the future?
1: Good question. Yeah, there's so much about the future of SEO, and actually, that was my that was my finishing statement in my class last night at USF. They were like, "That was the one thing they wanted to know." So, you've taught us everything up to now. What's going to happen in the future? You know, and that, that's such a fun question for me to answer because I love theorizing about that stuff. But I will say, in regards to SEO, looking forward, there's a bunch of stuff going on that I think your listeners might be interested in hearing a little bit about from someone experienced like myself on the subject, just so they don't get swayed by a lot of the hype. And I I really want to clarify this voice search. Which is a big thing that's happening right now people are concerned about what that means you know people are using the amazon device which i can't say her name right now she's <laughs> listening and she'll start talking to me and ruin the whole yep, thing yeah but uh uh you know there's there's that and and then we've got the google's uh home device and, and stuff like that that are always listening right and those devices In regards to voice search, those devices are primarily going to help you answer simple questions that just have a very clear black and white answer to them. They don't have as much commercial intent capability yet that's being leveraged as people, I think, assume will dominate. I personally don't think I'm gonna be buying a whole lot of products through my Amazon device. That's just me, but I prefer to kinda look at some things and read a little bit about it and then click the buy button. Something about that process I actually literally enjoy doing. So I don't wanna break from that too much and I think a lot of people are actually a lot more like that. We have to keep in mind that voice is just an input method like the keyboard and mouse. So it's just another way of entering in a search query. And then the result that you get, If it's not going to be on a screen, it's going to be vocal, then it's got to make sense to come through that medium. So just keep that in mind. Don't let the the news and hype about voice search throw you off that like SEO is going to die because voice search is going to take over. No, there's going to be a whole new level to it there. And that's what that means. It's going to filter out a lot of the garbage search from what you want, most likely. That's one part. Another part gets into artificial intelligence, which I don't have time to go over there. But <laughs> I wouldn't worry about that either. Just refer to my first note on SEO, which is just be authentic in what you create. Create really good stuff for humans. Humans, artificial intelligence will learn that and will keep up, and you'll be fine. So those are a couple of things about like the future of search insofar as my agency is concerned and growing simple tiger. Again, my goals are just to really keep it a boutique agency and really focus on delivering the best results for our clients that we can. I don't have any plans to just blow it out of the water. Of course, I do want to see massive growth. I don't want to grow so fast that it's a flash in the frying pan experience for us and we have to shut down. That's something that I kind of fear. So I would, I would rather just grow steadily and helpfully and always, uh, always be around. So those are kind of my plans for the future.
0: I dig that. And I appreciate, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners appreciate you not saying the trigger names for the at-home smart devices. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And we'll leave with this, though. I think you just gave us a bunch. Uh, do you have any trade secrets for us?
1: Mm. So I would say a lot of your listeners probably are very tech savvy. And in that regard, you know, when we do SEO, we, we break everything down into technical content and offsite and offsite usually means link building. Your audience is probably going to be strong on the technical side of things and doesn't really need to do much technical optimization. I'm just going to assume that right out. So because of that, I would focus on the meat and potatoes of SEO, which really are building good quality content that's very user specific. It's very audience specific. Uh, it answers their pain points. So build that content on your site and then go get links to that content from other relevant sites, whether those are blogs or publications on the web or friends websites or whatever. Get links back to that content and you will perform well on SEO. I can guarantee it. That's the best course course of uh, of action and that's something that you should constantly be doing. I would try my best to plan out some content in advance so that when you start working at it, you don't have to stop. Uh, Google likes to see fresh content and you will like to see it when you start realizing that every blog article you stack up, if it's part of a plan, brings a new chunk of visitors to your site that are keyword targeted and ready to buy from you. So every time you stack one of those up, you're just compounding the amount of traffic and business you're ultimately going to get. So I'd recommend that your audience just focus on building content and building links to that content and they'll do well.
0: Focus on building content. Awesome. And now I like to end with that question, but I can't leave this follow-up on the table, which is, is there some magic publishing schedule? Three blog posts a week? Do I need to blog daily or is it just consistent good stuff?
1: I would say come up with Tim Ferriss said something fantastic a while back. He said, what is better the strict diet that you will not adhere to, or the less strict diet that you will adhere to. And I Mm. love that advice. So come up with a schedule that is not so strict that you won't adhere to it, but is strict enough that you can handle it. I think that's fantastic. Now, on the opposite end of that, people like Nick Eubanks, who are, you know, colleagues of mine have been in SEO forever. They'll post case studies where they spent months developing lots of high quality content without publishing any of it. And in one day they'll publish a hundred articles all at once. And they'll publish wow. all this stuff. And, the, and this is like tests that he's doing in the SEO industry. And yeah. he'll show going from zero to a hundred thousand monthly search, search visitors in the span of like a month after launching this site with all this new content on it. So Google's very sharp. Google can, quickly determine what's going on. A lot of crazy things can happen in Google very fast and he was kind of testing the edges of that. So you're not going to publish content too quick for Google, I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. So when in doubt, if you can publish faster if you can publish more do it but not at the sake or at the cost of quality because that is a big algorithmic indicator is quality content that people are really going to digest so longer form articles that go deeper into subjects and provide lots of steps and how-tos and have some rich media with images and some video links and stuff like that in it that's going to do way better than a you know 500 word article on a subject so keep that in mind too
0: Great, great advice. Uh, I think I'm going to have to change my content strategy a little bit right after we get off this call. But, Jeremiah, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time.
1: Awesome. No, I really enjoyed it. And I appreciate the show. I love what you're working on here. And I was just uh, happy to be a part of it. So thank you. Great. Thanks so much. And uh, where can people find you? Sure, at uh, simpletiger.com. You can also find me on Twitter. Twitter handles are simpletiger as well as myself, Jeremiah C. Smith. So hit me up with any questions or anything. I'd be happy to answer questions for your, for your audience anytime.
0: I'm so grateful that Jeremiah and I were able to connect because this interview helped me frame my content strategy at a time where I really needed it. His advice about needing to work in the industry first was some of the best advice I got in college, which I never took. I'm glad Jeremiah did, and I'm glad I eventually did. And thanks again to our sponsors, Pantheon, Traitwear, and GravityView. Their support is deeply appreciated. The question of the week for you is, what's the best piece of SEO advice you've ever gotten? Let me know on Twitter at jcasabona or email me joe at howibuilt.it. For all of the show notes, head over to howibuilt.it slash nine zero. If you like the show, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. It really helps people discover the show. You can also join the Facebook community over at howibuilt.it slash Facebook. I want to build a strong community for this podcast, and Facebook is the place to do it. Finally, if you're interested in the different tools and services I use to build websites, check out my new podcast, Creator Toolkit, over at creatortoolkit.com. And until next time, get out there and build something.